ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to a brand new episode of the Long Lost Heroes podcast. You're here with me. I'm AJ and my bu- and my buddy out in Brooklyn. Say hi, Frank. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. How was work today, man? It was good. It was a little sleepy because we got home late. Yeah, man. Okay, so um, we're going to talk about uh, – this is our follow-up episode to our pre-episode on Glass, but we're really talking about Glass. It's our official movie discussion. I figure we give you guys 10 minutes of just spoiler-free content if there are really weirdos who listen to us yeah. before they go see yeah. movies. So, like, not only was their homework to see two movies, but then they had to do their homework to listen to the pre-episode, then watch the – yeah, glass, and then listen to this. So yeah, it's like be, a whole series of continuity. There's so much that they had to do. Okay, so let's bring you back up to speed. It Unbreakable is the first movie in the Shyamalaniverse, and it is pretty much has you know Unbreakable, which is about David Dunn and Mister uh, Mister Elijah uh, Price uh, Price uh, Mister Glass Mister Glass, and he's out there you know causing trouble. Then there's the sequel that wasn't designed, I guess, to be originally a sequel, but it's set in the same universe. It's called Split. stars James McAvoy. He does a crazy performance. It's kind of set like a thriller. We talk about it on the last podcast, so tune into that if you haven't listened to us talk about those two movies. Now, the new movie is uh, titled Glass, and uh, we just saw it last night at the Battery Park Theater, one of our new uh, local haunts, Uh, Frank Let's give the people what they want, some spoiler-free content. Sure, yeah. I've actually been really enjoying that theater. The uh, reclinable seats and the trays and everything are really good. I, 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 thought, feel like... it was, I thought it was a little warm in the theater last night, though. Uh, yeah. And I feel like we could probably sit a little closer now that I have a good sense of where the seats are and everything. So. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, th- there was nobody there. I mean, the movie came out last Friday, and... It's it's tricky because it's it's January. It's not a huge time for movies, but uh, I think the mixed reaction uh, in in the reviews and the general public may be impacting uh, how this movie's doing. I, I haven't actually seen financially wise, but I don't think Shyamalan's movies are really meant to be big blockbusters. But um, yeah, it was interesting. There wasn't that many people, but um, you know. A couple of people asked me about it today, like, oh, what'd you think? And, you know, uh, I kept saying good, not great. Um, if you follow the first two, you definitely want to see this. This is a, um, you know, unknown sequel that you, you didn't know you were going to get a couple of years ago. And, you know, these characters have been really well developed and they're really, really great performances in it. Um, I think... Uh, there are some pacing problems, but it's, um, you know, it, it's it's a good ride, and um, it, it's definitely kept me thinking about it over the past 24 hours or so, and I, I, I think it'll continue to do that, um, which I think is what his goal really is. So um, it, did, th- it did 40 million opening weekend, and then it did 2 million last weekend. It's been the number one movie both weekends back-to-back. Um, so it's kind of good, I guess. Like, it's the number one movie. You know, it's getting some money. Uh, it's made about a hundred million worldwide right now. So, yeah, I guess we'll see uh, how it continues to do financially, man. Uh, okay, so uh, I think walking out of this movie, you know, I-, I think very much like Split, you're either gonna like it or you're gonna be like, what? <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. It's pretty polarizing. Um, what I we can say to you at this time is that the 
the action and the and the scenes between uh, the main characters McAvoy, Willis, and uh, Sam Jackson. When you see these uh, guys acting together, it's really magical on screen. I like Sarah Paulson's character. Um, I think that you know this movie it starts going in one direction, and it was very similar to what I thought you know your prediction was going to be last time, Frank, which was that the beast was going to be like your uh, uh, you know act one threat, and that we were going to face off with him and then move on to glass, and it, it kind of seemed like that for a while. <laughs> And then all yeah. of a sudden you're kind of taken in a new direction. And uh, I think something that we both said walking out of this movie is that this movie has, you know, uh, pretty bad pacing problems. Um, you know, I think that it kind of starts and stops in different places. And I think that that doesn't fit this movie just right. And I know that Danny was falling asleep at different points. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, you know, it, like I felt like when the movie started, it was really invested. And then there was a lot of different points throughout it. But, you know, it. You know, I don't think this is a spoiler to say that towards the end, um, it like it feels a little like it's unraveling a little bit like there, you know, some big moments happen towards the end. And then it's like, OK, it's going to keep going. It's keep going. It's like, where is this? When is it going to end? Um, again, no spoiler here, but there's no post credit scene or anything. Um, so once the credits roll, that's it. Um, and I think another interesting thing about this is like originally M. Night Shyamalan when he made Unbreakable I think he had the idea in mind that he was going to make a trilogy um, and that um, Kevin Wendell Crumb was in the script for the original Unbreakable now they didn't use him there and people were speculating over the past you know two years since Split came out like was Split his actual uh, second movie of this planned trilogy or was it you know sort of like a sidestep and that the glass glass it was going to be the second part of like a, a new trilogy. I'm pretty confident that this was the three and that, you know, this is all we're going to see. Um, I mean, that's what people thought when unbreakable came out. So we could be surprised again in like 10 years or something, but there's definitely a finality to it. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, yeah. Uh, I, I think something that we can, can say in this time is that, if you liked Unbreakable and and you watched Split and you wanted to see uh, Dunn and the Beast phase off, you're gonna see that, uh, and you're gonna be you know experiencing you know kind of a new look at how superhero films could be. It felt a little bit like the action scenes, a little bit like the Dark Knight, also a little bit like Batman vs Superman, and that you were really close up. It wasn't too shaky cam. Uh, but the action you felt you felt the weight of the action in these scenes. I think. Yeah, I agree. like the beginning fight scene. Yeah, yeah, definitely, and um, definitely some elements of like civil war almost, like just because you know how Mister Glass is always pulling the strings. Um, I I, sure. I I went going into the movie. I he's an he's a he's a known string puller. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of his M.O. I was ner going into the movies. I was nervous that we wouldn't get enough McAvoy um, and that we would get too much glass. And actually, the reverse happened, in my opinion. Um, yes. I just think of uh, of the characters. Uh, they could have done a better job balancing the three because um, even uh, David Dunn, I felt like, was a little bit underserved. Um, there are a lot of side characters um, that, like, are integral to the plot but 
you know, I, I think if you're going in to see like these, this big three, you're, it's going to feel a little bit lacking. Um, so, I mean, that being said, I, I'm, I'm trying to dance around things without, without going into spoilers. Is there anything else that you feel like we can say? I, I will say the return of the kid is surprisingly good. Uh, he has, you know, obviously taken some acting classes and done some work and, you know, probably done a whole bunch of other projects and I liked his performance here. So you're going to like the returning kid. Uh, and yeah, I think now we have to get into spoilers. All right. Yes. Okay. So everybody in three, two, one, we're going to talk about crazy spoilers because we really just kind of have to get through everything. So three, two, one spoilers. Boom. All right. All right. So. So there's like a lot of twists, right? I'm, I'm not, I was thinking about this before. Megan was like, oh, what was the big twist? I'm like, there were a few, I would say, maybe three. Yeah, you're right. I <laughs> I felt all those twists. Okay, let's talk about the twist first. Okay, so. That's, if, what, that's what people want to hear about him, yeah, like Chavalon, right? right? Like, that's what he's known yeah, for. Yeah, this is, this is the meat and the potatoes of the shit. All right, so let's talk. What, is you, what did you think was the most effective twist? Let's talk about that one. Um, I think the most effective twist was finding out that Mr. Glass orchestrated Kevin's father's death on the train. Um, and that in so doing put him, put Kevin on the path of becoming the beast uh, and the horde in the same train wreck that put David Dunn on the path of becoming the overseer. Yeah. Okay. So I felt that this was probably also the most effective twist in the movie. Uh, I didn't really see it coming when it did. It, it was cut together so nicely with the other scenes from Unbreakable that we had all just watched that I felt really kind of comfortable with it and it, I didn't mind it so much. And it kind of made sense a little bit. Uh, it, it felt it felt shocking to me. Um, it, I agree. I was like, oh, like we both reacted in the theater. Yeah. Like in hindsight, yeah, it, maybe someone probably could have guessed it, like figured it all out as as things were piecing together. But it's, sure. I still think it was executed in a good way because there were characters in the script that figured this out before the audience did. Uh-huh. And when they dropped it, it was like a ton of bricks. Sure. So, so. What, what was your most meh? Like before we get to bad, what was your most meh, uh, you know, twist? Um, I think the meh twist is kind of the, um, the the, the I, don't, I don't know what to call them, but the the clover people, the like, yeah, the, or, the okay. organization. That's so we're been... gonna dig in a little bit here. Go yeah. ahead, continue on, Frank. Um, so there basically there's this organization that has been in existence for what? like 10,000 years they said that has been keeping humanity in check um, and that these are regular people basically oppressing people with superhuman abilities and killing them and, and, and taking them out of uh, Roto, the context of, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, so in this film specifically, Sarah Paulson's character is a part of this organization that, um, uh, w- w- was set to find the the three characters, 
and to, to wipe them out uh, and to keep the idea of super people a secret to the world. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's interesting. It, you know, again, it wasn't something I saw coming, so it, I didn't think that there was some big thing pulling the strings. In the trailers going in, I had a feeling that her character was going to be kind I of... I thought she was going to be working with Glass. Yeah, I, I thought she was going to be bad in that, like, we weren't going to like her by the end of the movie. Like, that was, like, I couldn't tell, like, what way, way she was going to go, but, yeah. So, the fact that she was bad wasn't surprising, but just, like, the whole way it, it went was... So, you thought she was going to be working with Glass? Like, in, in what way? I thought she was going to have had, you know, been working with... Similar to, like, a Harley Quinn kind of a thing, that, like, she's kind of been manipulated by Glass and got the other guys there for Glass to then manipulate. It was... Mm-hmm. They were trying to set it up as this other way around. I think it may have been a neater plot done that way, but then you could see the obvious illusions you'd be drawing between, you know, Harley Quinn and the Joker. Yeah. So, so, okay. I, I want to talk about this secret organization for a while. So I think one of the problems, you know, with this out, similarly to how other kind of twists have been revealed in other uh, uh, M. Night movies is that they don't really give us enough to make this feel uh, like it follows through. That's why I also agree it's very mad. Like, because you don't know what the fuck. Like, they all hang out at this one restaurant in Philadelphia, like, for 10,000 years waiting to kill the superheroes. No, like, explain this some more. Like, you have to give us some more context to how this, like, is this all the supervillains? Have the. Uh, you know, where they are crazy superheroes and the early men that they all have to turn against, and that's where we have, like, you know, Hercules and stuff. Like, you have to paint the picture more. And I think that by underdeveloping it and by avoiding doing the talky-talky parts that he has to do in movies like The Village, uh, where they're constantly explaining to you at the end and throughout the movie kind of what's going on, also because they're saying that to the blind girl. Remember... Uh, one of Black Bryce Dallas Howard plays a uh, blind woman in the village, so pretty much all the exposition you've ever heard in a movie is realized in this film. <laughs> uh, uh, so, yeah, I, I, we maybe needed a little bit of that. What do you think? Yeah, no, I agree. Um, it, and maybe this is something that is there layered through. I think it would have been super interesting if there were more hints along the way. Like you see, like maybe there's people in unbreakable and in split that in the background have this tattoo like or something like that sure. that 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 gives you more weight it just feels like it was kind of thrown together a little bit at the end that there's just not enough context for for why they do what they do and and i mean the fact of the matter like they lose right at the end because the whole superhero thing goes public and you don't really know what impact that's going to have. Like they've been talking about, you know, keeping super people out of it, out of the world. And and now that they will be in the world, like what, what does that mean? Is that, is that really a bad thing? Or like, you know, especially for us that like we practically worship superhero movies and we, you know, we go and and watch Marvel and DC all the time. And it's like, it's, I don't know. No, you know what, you know what I think could have been cool. And and this is what I'm gonna go back to an old thing that we used to do missed opportunity. Ooh uh, yes please. So I think that the end of this movie, besides the the death of David Dunn, which we're gonna talk about in a minute, uh, is very anticlimactic. 
And I feel that the very last shot when they're all sitting around and watching as the superhero footage begins to go viral, that maybe something that this movie could have benefited from was maybe like an additional epilogue kind of scene where they're like in a new studio and people are like discussing how like superheroes are beginning to come out of the woodwork and that like it's beginning to cause this turmoil and that uh you know there's always been you know it's there's always been supers we're starting to learn more about the you know evil organization that has been keeping them down and then you kind of just like uh, allow it to say you know like allow us to see the world that glass actually realized in this nice way and do it in his expositional kind of way that will totally settle in the fucked upness of it because maybe if you end it in this kind of scary thinky way it allows the movie to kind of resolve itself into uh you know the plot of an evil villain because yeah what what it does is it kind of i think glorifies this guy's terrorist attacks in a little bit of a way and you know we're kind of saying that you know even though this guy is a villain you know he's not as i mean he kills other people i guess magneto kills people too but I think Magneto was always trying to kill more or less people who are directly violating his path for what he sees as justice that I can most of the time, uh, you know, I understand. Yeah, I mean, the the parallel here would have been Glass killing only humans and and saving people with powers. You know that that sort exactly. Of um, something you were saying kind of gave me an idea of a, a cool way that they could have done it because comic books were so integral to all three plot. Well, I guess not so much the second movie, but they're integral to the plot that it could have been cool to have, you know, someone maybe at the comic book shop, like reading a comic about this, like Clover organization, like reading it aloud. Even, yeah. That would have been to, cool to, to, to like say like how this idea has been like going on for all these years and like it's actually real and you have more context of why they did what they did and and, and what the repercussions are going to be now that they they lose um I, so, yeah. I'm, I'm down for that too so I, I i feel you i i don't know if i love the ending 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 now i think we need to talk about what i think is probably the most anticlimactic about this movie is that this again the zig and the zag this movie you are zigging along towards this awesome osaka tower showdown that is going to be between the beast and uh the overseer uh, bruce willis's character david dunn and they never even get there <laughs> and the <Nope>. whole <laughs> and the whole idea is that oh we're not getting there they we're not ne- that's just the that's they're trying to get there they're trying to have this and I kind of appreciated that kind of wink back to the first uh, Unbreakable, which we talked about in the last episode, which was that there isn't a big punchy, punchy fight in front of the world with all these people on it. They kind of reversed it in a different way. Right. Yeah. In Unbreakable, there's no big showdown between him and Glass. It's like just a very cerebral kind of battle that yeah. that, that comes. And then this is is a in that vein as well. I mean, there's definitely a fight, right? But it's not in, in front of like everybody in, in the big, you know, in the middle of the big city kind of thing. It's, um, yeah, I mean, it, it's, it's hard. A, I think to see characters die. I think, especially when you have these kind of larger than life characters, um, that have been developed for so long, it's always hard to see heroes die. 
Um, but you know, even villains, you know, how like we we so, we see <sighs> saw Loki die this year. We saw Superman die a few years ago. Like it, it, it all carries some weight. Um, but like, but to even, go for but the even th- Superman's death, you kill it. You only kill Superman with Doomsday. Like we we killed fucking David Dunn in a puddle. <laughs> <laughs> like come on like this is a, uh, this is a great character and i th- i don't think that he's served well in his arc in this movie i i would i've seen other people say this but like what is his arc like what 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 change does he go through in this in this film like is the the origin story about his son is his son about to have superpowers i don't think so like Mm-hmm. Is it just the origin story of uh, David Dunn and it's all complete now, like Batman? I don't know. Like, I, I just, I, uh, while I understand killing this character and I think that there's a way to kill this character still in this movie, um, I think you need to see the, the showdown. You need to see David Dunn battling for what he believes in, which is his right to live And at that point in the movie. Yeah. You know, like, he has to, he had to break out of the, the prison and he... He's about to fight, you know, this guy he's been tracking down for years and Elijah, who he knows is so evil already. We should have, I think it would have served the character and the audience well to see David Dunn struggle a bit more before we kill him in a puddle. Yeah, and I think the other thing that sucked about it is that, like, he's killed by a literal faceless man of this shadowy organization. Right. Like, just held in, like, I think if... If the beast killed him, that would have like that would have meant more. Um, so and and then realized what he did or whatever, you know. Um, I, I just I just think it wasn't executed well. Um, because I think the other two deaths were a little bit more effective. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you, I kind of went into this movie knowing that uh, Sam Jackson's glass was gonna die. Uh, he's just too frail a character. There's, you know, he's, he's, he's not going to make it. So, uh, I was prepared for that. And I think that they gave him, uh, a good, they gave him a better death than David Dunn. And then, and then in, and then below that, but better than David Dunn is McAvoy with the horde and watching him die as Kevin. And, uh, it's a, it's a touching scene. And I think he's, you know, he really brings kind of a good, you know, kind of levity, but also, you know, I don't know. He, it's, it's, it's weird to watch him in this movie in, in different ways. Yeah. You know, uh, I loved when he was playing the, the girl and, and, uh, you know, trying to Mac with the, uh, nurse guy orderly. Yeah. Yeah. That was great. (laughs) Um, yeah, no, he, he, like I said, he had way more to do in this film than I expected and, um, was, a lot more central to the, the plot than I expected too. like um, while he was a pawn of Mr. Glass, he had his own arc and he, he probably grew and changed the, mo- the most throughout the film. Um, and, and, you know, had a continuing relationship with uh, Casey and, you know, dies in her arms and like has, mm-hmm. has this powerful scene where, you know, he's going through all of, all the characters um, or his identities and, and has the opportunity to, to stay as himself in the light until the end. And he knows the truth of, of what happened to his father and everything. And so like, 
I I went in thinking that he he would die, but I didn't realize how much um, character development would would go along the way. Can I ask you, in your most recent watching of Split, did they talk about his father at all? I don't think they did, because I mean, because it was in Glass where they said that the father was interested in, like, right when she when he was talking to um, Tara Paulson's character, like that your father was interested in getting you help, but then he went away. I don't think they mentioned it in Split. They just mentioned that he has an abusive mother. Okay. So, yeah, I... Mm, okay. Uh, I... Uh, I'm sorry. I'm, at, I'm I'm almost out of thoughts on that subject. Okay, let's move on That's to okay. the next thing. I, I think that the, uh, the way that the Elijah Glass turning point uh, of, you know, filming the whole thing was very good kind of kind of uh, saw where that was going but I, I felt that it was done nicely I would have liked to have seen more of the videos like they only show you small clips of them and the screens when you watch it some of the other things I think that this movie could have uh, benefited from was a little bit more understanding of what happened to uh, David Dunn's wife I know that she died of cancer but you know was he there with her were they living together did they get back together what was happening? Did he, you know, finally get back into the superheroing after she died? You know, there's we could have dug down a little bit more there. I kind of missed yeah, her absence. I agree, and, and you know that was one of our questions going in because Robin Wright wasn't attached to the movie, and so uh, it, you know there's like a throwaway line with um, Tara Paulson's character and the son, and it's like, oh, you know, this is what happened to your mother, and like, like how did that affect you? And he seemed a little upset about it, but like. Yeah, there, there's not enough there. Like, and you know, you have the one scene of of David Dunn in his kitchen, kind of looking to see that she was there. And like at that point, I don't think we even knew she was dead. I think we just knew she wasn't around. Um, so that that could have been um, more developed as well. Um, so you were saying something about the the sequence um, with Mister Glass and and orchestrating everything with with the video. Um, I think it's it's a really um, interesting parallel to the way Unbreakable pans out in the end, and I think the the story thread from Unbreakable of like, do, is there really superpowers or is this all in their heads? Like that whole thing goes up and down throughout Unbreakable, and like again in this film, like Sarah Paulson's trying to convince them that they don't have powers, and like they're doing a pretty damn good job, and like almost convincing convincing the audience like maybe this there's a, a series of coincidences here um sure but to the point that like really by the end of the movie it's in stone and like on on camera and like these things are, are happening are are real and and they are, they obviously are very with, real and with the twist of the organization saying that and you know her saying like you were right <laughs> like it's it's all there um it, but it is. I thought it was a, a good parallel to the first movie. I agree, and I think that when you look at it as a whole, and I think the further out that we get from this movie, I think the more people will like it or find it interesting or find things to love at it. I'm I'm also certain that like a second viewing would probably be fun to go see some of the things that you miss. I really loved all the scenes with them in the hospital, except with uh. Except when they were with uh, Sarah Paulson's character, I feel like she just kind of the her character is the way that she played it. She's so kind of quiet and and she's kind of like you know uh, 
speaking to them very softly. It it gets very it gets a little it drags a little bit. Yeah, uh, that, I, you're right. I do think a lot of the stuff with her is where it, it, it sucked all the the momentum the momentum out of the the movie. Yeah. After watching, so I just watched uh, Signs today because I was uh, you know trying to get back into the Shyamalan mode. I love I love that movie. I hate Mel Gibson, but I I still always loved that movie. Uh, interesting to know, it's the Touchstone movie, and it's produced by uh, Kathleen Kennedy and Frank Marshall, and she's all over the special features of this thing, man. Uh, wow. Yeah. So it's kind of interesting that she was with Disney, like even at that time, making movies. You know, she's been yeah. with them for a while. Uh, yeah, it's funny because I was reading up on signs yesterday before we went to the movie because I was like, you know, it's been so long since I'd seen it Say, I, and uh, the village. And I was like, man, what, like, what was the twist again? And, like all this stuff. Because I was like, I was like, what signs was, were the aliens actually real? And it's like, oh, yeah, they were. But like, you know, the, the idea is uh, that like they knew that they were coming and that they were. I don't know. So the only it, thing I found interesting this time on the rewatch was like. Didn't he just make a, a movie where somebody's main weakness was water? And like he's doing he's doing this one where their main weakness is water. It's kind of that's kind of weird. Has, yeah, I guess he has something for water. I mean, maybe he's water maybe he's afraid of water. Maybe he is afraid of water. I mean, water is dangerous, you know. So, you know, you got to look Mikey, out for that undertow. Yeah. Mikey is afraid of of uh water. He told me the other day. He's like that's why I can't go on a cruise. I said, okay. Oh. Yeah. Uh okay. Uh it's, it, it was interesting. It's also interesting that those movies kind of came out. He said that he was writing Unbreakable as he was doing Sixth Sense, and then as he was doing Sixth, as he was doing Unbreakable, he was writing uh, the the draft for Signs. Signs. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was also interesting to see him working with uh, James Newton Howard on the documentary. There's some nice stuff in there uh, that you should check out if you uh, have six, uh, seven dollars and want to go to Best Buy. He's the composer, right? Oh yeah, and he yeah, does because re- he does he did a lot of his work. right? He has. I I didn't I didn't really hear anything very memorable in this movie, but I did well, really enjoy the uh, you know the other work that they've done together. Yeah, James Newton Howard was on Unbreakable, but I think he had a different composer for for Split and for this one. Um, but it was the same guy. I do know that. Um, which which makes sense. Um, connected. Um. Uh, so yeah, uh, I think you're right. Uh, it might be worth a rewatch at some point. Um, I I think it was a little bit disappointing in that it ended so sad, um, but you know, it ended very realistically. So I, yeah, you know what, folks? Like, there's we saw this movie. You know, I don't think it's it's the best movie we've seen this year or the best movie we're gonna see, but it was it was a movie. Uh, you know. <laughs> If you have it any was thoughts, a movie we sat there and we spent money and yeah, <laughs> we watched it. We watched it for your benefit. So the the superheroes, you know, in this genre, you know, it's interesting. It's kind of like a pre X Men kind of a feeling that you kind of get when you leave. That like all the superheroes are about to come out of the woodwork, and we'll see how that kind of transmogifies. But I don't know if there's going to be a sequel to this movie, and I'm kind of done with this. I don't want a sequel to this movie. I think Shyamalan should do something new. I want to see him kind of go after some new ideas and stay with Blumhouse where he can do these movies on kind of smaller budgets and make them good. Yeah. And you do get that feel that they didn't spend a lot of money on this and no, 
but but not in a bad way. I mean, like if they it wasn't necessary. I mean, obviously, if they had that big fight in, in, on the tower, it probably would have been a lot more expensive. But uh, no, totally agreed. But they it's not that they saved money, but the, you know they they make movies that are more achievable and and plot driven, and they have to stand up under the own weight of the writing that he produces. Oh, you know what? I I just remembered something. That, like I came home last night and um, I was just like. Read, not reading up, but I was just like looking around a little bit of, of some of the stuff around the movie. And I found this one interview from, um, it was on IGM, but I don't know if it was originally there. It might've been like an, an AP kind of interview, uh, video clip of Shyamalan talking about the movie, like why he decided to kill off the three characters. And he said basically that, especially in Unbreakable before it was a trilogy, he, he saw it as kind of like a tragic opera. And that I think originally when they were going to score the movie, they were going to try to have some sort of like operatic classical music soundtrack. Um, but, you know, that there's this sad ending in the first one that you realize he uh, Glass kills all these people. And like, I think he went, you know, and he dug deeper on this one and, and, you know, that kind of tracks with me. And, like, I, I understand that, that you know, upon seeing so many operas in my life and, and knowing how many of them die with, like, the central character. Sure. Uh, you know, at the end, it's just, it's crazy. So I can understand why he went with that. Um, and uh, so, yeah, I, go check that out if you, if you can find it. And um, I'm sure he'll have other things to say about it over the few, or over the next few years or so. But I'm, I'm interested to see what else he's going to do because, um, you know, he, he seems to be coming back to form. Maybe this isn't quite as good as, as Split was, but, um, you know. I think he's good. We'll I, think he, I think he's going to go in and, and do something uh, do something like The Visit, do something scary, do something fun. We'll see if something good will go. We'll, we'll be there. Yeah. Uh, all right, folks. Listen, before we uh, start circling the drain about why this movie is not that good and it's because we don't have very much to say about it, uh, we're going to uh, just kind of end it off here. Uh, listen, uh, if you want to, you can you know, visit our website, www.longlostheroes.net. You could go ahead and email us, info at longlostheroes.net. Frankie, where could the listeners find us on social media? At LLH Podcasts on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Well, folks, it's been fantastic to sit and chat with you this evening, and we hope that you have a great rest of your week and uh, get out and see this movie, and we look forward to chatting up with you again soon. All right, sounds good. Bye. Bye.